And as Elon Musk said, more fun, less shun. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, a new week in the month of May in the year 2020. I am one of your hosts, Yael Ososki, broadcasting to you from Vienna, Austria, on the Big Talker 106.7 FM out of Wilmington, North Carolina. And I'm joined, as always, on the microphone by my trusty colleague, David Clement in Toronto. David, sir, how goes it? It's going. Uh, I mean, when you say it's May, it feels like where did 2020 go? <laughs> it seems like... 2020 has been one giant Wednesday. Yeah, it's um, all blended together. It's been very bland, and yeah, we've been kind of stuck out. I mean, I was very lucky. I got to go to the park today and enjoy. There's a, it's odd because today's a holiday in Austria, mm -hmm. um, I believe Ascension Day for those Catholics, and okay. normally the stores are all closed. So this is like a weird, like we're voluntarily closed today because of the holiday, not because of the Carol Baskins virus type closed. Got different. It. Got it. Okay. Different. So yeah, right. yeah, some good changes there. So yeah, um, everyone, you're listening to Consumer Choice Radio. You can follow along with our podcast version, all of our notes, everything yep. on consumerchoiceradio.com. A lot of great stuff there. We've been uploading everything through the RSS feed and all of that. We'll get to that a bit later in the program. Uh, I got a couple of articles and clips I wanted to share with you, David. Um, all right. What do you got? What do you got for me? So let's go through here. I want to. I want to start off with a very, very serious one. Um, so, okay. I, I just do want to prep our audience as well. Um, I, yeah, you guys just need to be prepared. Be serious. You know, this is a this is a very serious program. It, it's a kid show, but also a, a, a nice program. So we'll start with this. Every player, unless they're from the same same household, has to bring their own tennis balls, so that you don't touch other people's tennis balls. Um, with your hands. You can kick their balls, but you can't touch them. I'm going to blush, sorry. Um, of course, if you're, if you're playing with someone in your household, you can touch those tennis balls. Uh, to, avoid to avoid confusion between whose balls are whose, you can use a marker, like a Sharpie, to mark out, to put an X, or put someone's initials on them. Um, I would just say... So just don't touch anyone else's balls, David. That's the rule. <laughs> you can hear her in her head. She's like, oh, no, I'm about to say it. I'm going to do it. Oh, don't touch the other Yeah, it's balls. more like, does she even know? Like, is this, is this to the point that we've gotten that we need other regulations on our tennis courts and exactly what can happen there? Uh, what people are allowed to do? I mean, come on. Is, is, and this is, uh, mind you, this is a county... Uh, executive, I believe. This is in somewhere okay. in New York, some county somewhere, oh, right. yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. the executive, and this is what you do as a politician. You get, all right, guys, you can play tennis, but whatever you do, don't touch each other's balls. I mean, this stuff is crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's been a lot of that uh, that's happening with, uh, you know, lockdowns and opening up. You know, the United States... A lot of places are opening up. There's uh, yep. some good things, some positive movements. Uh, there's there have been a couple places like Pennsylvania 
where the governor has come out and said, hey, look, we're not going to open up to normal until there's a vaccine. Well, this is actually, this is a really good point. I mean, uh, one person who had a very long-winded rant, but I thought it was particularly punchy, was the president of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, basically saying, hold on a second. We were talking about flattening the curve, flattening the curve, flattening the curve. We may have already done the flattening of the curve. The healthcare system isn't going to collapse. Like all of the the pop-up hospitals that we were building for worst case scenarios are empty. So how did we go from the shift from flattening the curve to waiting for there to be a vaccine? I mean, there's no way the 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 idea of waiting for a vaccine i mean the the state of pennsylvania would just be bankrupt because nobody would be working or very few people would be working um or just so heavily indebted that you'd have to increase taxes exorbitantly after the fact like it's it's just the idea that i mean i'm hopeful um that a vaccine can come soon but i mean every estimate that i've seen says that if it comes within a year, that's a miracle. If it comes within four years, that's fast. If it comes within the next 10 years, that's expected. Yeah. Well, you know, and and this is a shifting of the goalposts, which is something that is very hard. I mean, how do you, David, you and I, we're very much into politics. We follow this stuff. You know, we've read large documents that come from legislatures. We've testified to government committees you know, we have a better understanding and it's still pretty damn hard to follow. <laughs> so imagine yeah. the average Joe, how are they supposed to understand anything? How are they supposed to know whether or not their business can be open, what they're allowed to do, what the rules are? I mean, apart from having to listen to press conferences all day, what are you supposed to do as an average person? Well, yeah. And it's, I mean, I know a lot of people are listening or watching to those, watching those press conferences, but I mean, how many people just don't know? Like people who don't watch, let's say the news, or let's say they don't have uh, cable TV and they're not particularly engaged on news or information sources like Twitter, um, where you can see things happen in real time. I mean, what does the world look like to someone who's uninformed? I mean, I, in my mind, I picture like someone in like a Y2K bunker coming out like three months after New Year's being like, oh, the world didn't end. What happened? Oh, there was the uh, video of the Canadian guy, the sailor. I don't know if you saw this. He arrived from, uh, yeah, I, I think he's Canadian, but he arrived in New Zealand and he had been at sea for the last like three or four months. So he had no idea. Well, I think he his last port was in South Africa and that was like in January. So he had heard that there was something happening yeah. with something in China and yeah. basically he had no connection and he was on his own. Um, you know, he hadn't talked to anybody and then he arrives in New Zealand and then they're like, okay, uh, you're going to have to go to quarantine. And he's like, quarantine for what? And like, well, there's this Corona thing going on. He's like, huh? This wasn't a thing. Like when I left, what do you think? I got it from the sharks. Like, come on. Yeah. And I, I would have played the clip, but it was, he, he was too much of a character. He, he, he would not, it wasn't serious enough. He was like, <laughs> ah, what are you? I, I don't know. Maybe he's gotten a bit delirious <laughs> well, being at sea too long. Probably drank too much seawater. <laughs> it's funny because that actually happened. So the popular TV show, Big Brother, there is a Canadian version, Big Brother Canada. You would be a fan of such, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. If there is trash TV out there, I am the first in line to watch it. Um, so basically for the, I mean, most people know the concept of big brother, but basically people live in a house and there's cameras everywhere and their whole lives are filmed. So these people are in this house and they give people the, the they give the guests the information basically saying like, Hey, there's this global pandemic going on. And you can just see them like, wait, what? Like trying to like, conceptualize what's going on and then like three days later they're like okay it's getting bad like it's getting a lot worse and like you can see the fear and then it gets to the point where they're like hey all businesses are shut down the game's over you guys have to go home and you have to quarantine for 14 days and they're like they can't fathom like they have had no exposure to the outside world they haven't seen how anything develops they don't know and then all of a sudden it's like okay guys sorry game's over uh wow. nobody wins could you imagine uh, if it was this uh, this too hot to handle show, <laughs> and these people are left to go out by themselves with their hot bodies and <laughs> and have to quarantine? Oh, what a nightmare! Uh, yeah, so, that's uh, see. I will say I have not watched that show yet, um, but you know what so it's about. To, you know oh, what yeah, it's about. There seems to be a, a boundary to my tolerance for bad TV. Um, Look, maybe... I've just, I've just dipped my toe. I haven't gone all the way in. Okay. I've been sailing around, you know, <laughs> meandering. Yeah. Well, speaking of hot bodies and uh, beaches, um, we want to take a look to Florida because Florida was mentioned a lot, um, you know, very early on. I don't, I, we might even have played the clip, I'm not sure, of people partying on the beach in Jacksonville and everybody in, in the country was saying, Florida is the next hot spot, next thing to come, big thing. And it seems that the numbers have not panned out. And the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has mm -hmm. taken umbrage with the media. Uh, you guessed it. So we're going to play a clip here of him responding to the critics uh, who said that Florida was going to be inundated with uh, Carol Baskin virus cases. Our data is available. Our data is transparent. In fact, Dr. Burks has talked multiple times about how Florida has the absolute best data. So any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun. And part of the reason is that because you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks, Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy, wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. Not only do we have a lower death rate, well, we have way lower deaths generally, we have a lower death rate than the Acela Corridor, D.C., everyone up there. We have a lower rate death rate than the Midwest, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. But even in our region, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida has the lower death rate. And I was the number one landing spot from tens of thousands of people leaving the number one hot zone in the world to come to my state. So we've succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative it challenges their assumption so they got to try to find a boogeyman maybe it's that there are black helicopters circling the department of health if you believe that um i got a bridge in brooklyn i'd like to sell you he, oh, he mentioned the black helicopter good man governor <laughs> yeah good for him i see I, this goes back to one of those things where it's like i love when politicians give it back Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's like, hell, we haven't had that at all. I mean, you saw yeah. like the guff coming through. And he has the numbers and he's like, yeah, we're better than Alabama. We're better than Michigan. We're better than Pennsylvania. Rifling it off. I love that. 
Good for him. And I rem- I remember this. I remember people talking about it and, and even, you know, my brother lives in Georgia and, you know, they were talking about it too. It's like, well, you know, they opened up the state too early and who knows what's going to happen. And you see all the uh, sort of journos that are then churning out this narrative that this is the next hot spot. And many of these areas, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. And uh, the article in the National Review magazine by Rich Lowry is, where does Ron DeSantis go to get his apology? And this is yeah. this is good because it um, and it gives us the narrative, right? Who was the king? Which who is the big governor that the media was propping up as like the guy who had all the information and was the adult in the room? Yeah, that's yeah. Cuomo, right? Basically, yeah, he's been the he is. I mean, they cover his press conferences more consistently than they do Trump's. And he was the guy who, you know, people were murmuring in the halls that he should actually take over the Democratic nomination for Joe Biden because he's a real leader. And, it, you know, we're reading more and more about what happened in New York and the policies that they put in place are just terrible and actually ended up infecting way more people, specifically in the nursing homes. You know, many parts of New York still shut down. Uh, Yeah, wasn't handled very well. And it's kind of, it shows you the bias of, media empires being in a place like New York City and then just explaining the rest of the world, you know, what they should be doing when, in Mm -hmm. fact, the facts on the ground in those areas just don't measure up. So everyone was applying this New York approach, assuming everywhere was going to be New York, but it just never panned out that way. Well, and all it took was for, for, I mean, all it took to kind of tear that idea apart. So if we look at Florida, Florida is going to be the next hotspot. Well, what were what was the dangerous activities that or the in Florida were doing? They were outside at beaches in what is comparatively much lower risk scenarios. They weren't riding major transit systems. They weren't because there ain't any. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good point uh like they they weren't in the closed settings that we know are really risky for transmission they were outside where it's easier to keep your distance and there's airflow and all of the other factors that are at play all of it all it would have taken is for someone to say well maybe florida won't be that bad because everybody is outside and being outside is better than being inside i mean in british columbia um, there were all these debates now it's now it's somewhat subsided thankfully um, there were all these debates like okay well we got to start ticketing people for being outside like heaven forbid someone goes on a walk through the park like well, through the forest have... on their own by themselves yeah, yeah. Well, we, well we can't have that because if one person can do it, then everybody can do it. Wow. Um, yeah, which that would I thought be dangerous. was such a ridiculous justification. Um, but yeah, in British Columbia, their chief medical officer was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, guys. No, no. If you can go outside, you should go outside. Get some activity. Go for a walk. Walk through the park. Keep your distance with people. Um, wear a mask, which has been really another 180 The the Canadian, uh, the national chief chief medical officer, I think it was yesterday, uh, announced that everybody should wear masks in public after telling everyone not to wear masks. Um, But yeah, if you're outside, there's just exponentially lower risk than uh, other settings. Like we're not talking about people at a uh, NBA game 
We're not talking about big sporting events or concerts or things like that. We're talking about people at the beach where you can judge and have space and, uh, and enjoy the outdoors. So uh, it's good to see that Florida didn't go that route. Um, there are a handful of governors uh, who were maybe a little bolder in their approach and were ridiculed for it. Mostly Republican, but Jared Polis was also one of them as well. Um, who's a dem- who's like a, I just he's your buddy. Like a lib- yeah, I, I love Jared Polis. He's a liberty friendly uh, Democrat. I hope he runs for president one day. I don't know if he ever would, but um, yeah. So it's 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 just interesting to see that narrative completely shift. And then, like you said, who who apologizes? I, if you look at um, I forget, I'm, I'm blanking on the White House press secretary's name, um, the new one. Uh, yeah, Kaylee she, something, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So she was asked by a reporter, she's like, well, did, like, does, is the administration to blame for not taking coronavirus seriously enough? And she, she, she was well prepared. She said, well, is the Boston Globe responsible for publishing this headline on uh, February 7th? Is the Washington Post responsible? And she just listed off all of these headlines. And I mean, it's in the context of like this Trump hysteria and hoopla that's going on. So some of it loses its its muster, but it's very much in light of like, it's, it's that same brand that DeSantis just showed where he's like, no, no guys, you got it wrong. Here are the receipts and I'll prove it to you. Um, so I like that. And I think that it's uh, it's important that when we when we sit back at the end of this and look at things in hindsight, that there's some real criticism of uh, some of the assumptions we made early on, and maybe some of the people we listened to. And as Elon Musk said, "More fun, less shun." <laughs> yes, Elon. Elon, you're listening to Consumer Choice Radio on the Big Talker 106.7. FM. I hope you guys liked last week's interview that we did with Brendan Carr of the FCC. I think that went really well. We've been getting very good feedback. Uh, very fun to do. Uh, we've got a lot more interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks, making sure that we can keep all of y'all interested and hopefully keep up the debate and try to promote ideas for consumer choice. And I think, obviously, Commissioner Carr does that very well. He's very mm-hmm. articulate, uh, incredibly smart on a lot of this stuff follows it to a key and someone to follow on social media, as you well know. So uh, definitely someone awesome to look at and to follow, and uh, hopefully we'll get a lot more going. Um, David, is there any any articles that you saw, um, you know, that are that are coming out? Actually, I want to go back to the meat topic. Um, I think we mentioned that a little bit last week. Yep. Has there been any movement, um, you know, for this? Because there's a lot of stuff that's happening in different countries, U.S., Canada, um, in different parts of Europe as well, that, you know, we are facing a meat shortage in some instances because a lot of the large slaughterhouses or some of these meat packing plants, uh, some people have gotten the Carol Baskins virus and they've not been allowed to go to work. And it's really the processing that has slowed. It doesn't mean there's no cows, as you've mentioned, but, you know, there's now an opportunity perhaps in the U.S. to have direct-to-consumer sales of meat uh, there's a bill by Representative Thomas Massey right now in Congress that could do that, uh, that could finally allow farmers to do that, which would be, hey, man, farm to table, right? Isn't this supposed to be the dream? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I, think that, uh, I think that that's generally what the approach needs to be 
for any instance where we've had a hiccup in getting goods from A to B, you take a step back and say, okay, well, why is the system like that? Is there, are there regulations that create this owner, onerous or, or time-consuming process, and how do we speed that up? And so long as there are ways to do it safely, which for almost everything there is, um, just peel those regulations back, allow for more direct access, um, and, and allow for consumer demand to be met quicker. Um, you t in some instances, you take out the middleman, depending on what the product is. Um, on the question of meat shortage, it does look like in Canada, some of these big um, processors are going to reopen. So that's a positive. Um, that's good. We'll see how that plays out in the context of provinces reopening domestically. Um, so you, do we have a second wave or another spike? Um, and, and does that cause another shutdown? Um, I'd hope not. Uh, I mean, if, I know that you're like me in terms of barbecuing. So uh, tis the season and, and, the, and demand for those things are going to be high over the next- Prime now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, demand's going to be high over the next few months. So hopefully not. Uh, hopefully the disaster has been averted, but I would just urge legislators to take a look at some of those regs and say, okay, well, this really hurt us. Uh, maybe we don't need this anymore. It's a strange world out there. Moving beyond beyond meat, there are, there are a couple big headlines in the online world or radio podcast world that I think we would uh, we would be misguided to not talk about. The first one is a clip about Joe Rogan's big move uh, away from YouTube uh, to Spotify. So we'll get Jamie to play that announcement, uh, and then you and I can chat about uh, the impact of that, some of the details, and, and what we think about it. So Jamie, will you uh, play that clip? <laughs> He's got to come from the Rogan studio to play the clip. Yes. Thank you, young, young Jamie. Hello, everybody. I have an announcement. The podcast is moving to Spotify. I signed a multi-year licensing agreement with Spotify that will start on September 1st. Starting on September 1st, the entire JRE library will be available on Spotify as well as all the other platforms. Then somewhere around the end of the year, it will become exclusive to Spotify, including the video version of the podcast. It will be the exact same show. I'm not going to be an employee of Spotify. We're going to be working with the same crew doing the exact same show. The only difference will be it will now be available on the largest audio platform in the world. Nothing else will change. It will be free. It will be free to you. You just have to go to Spotify to get it. We're very excited to begin this new chapter of the JRE, and I hope you're there when we cross over. Thanks. So I definitely have thoughts on that, David. Uh, I want to hear your take, though. Good, good. So, yeah, I think before so before I give you my take on what I think about the move, I think the big thing here is first to highlight how big Joe Rogan is for those who don't know, um, and what this means in like the podcast online media space. So for those who don't know, Joe Rogan's podcast is a very different setup than usual programs. It's um, he has around 190 million downloads per month. Um, so that means for any given episode, he is outperforming pretty much any major news 
uh, organization, whether that's CNN or, or MSNBC, what have you. He, for the most part, will get more viewers and listeners than anything else out there globally other than single events. Um, so for him to move from YouTube, he's a huge shift. Uh, it's a hundred million dollar deal. So we're talking a significant amount of money, uh, largely generated from obviously ads, which are sold uh, based on that viewership. Um, so huge move. My take is I think that uh, YouTube is most likely becoming a more difficult um, platform to navigate through. It's becoming maybe harder for creators to navigate that space and not run into violations or instances of demonetization. And that's why and, we don't even use the C word for the virus. Uh, we have to yeah, use Carol Baskin's to, yeah. virus for that <laughs> very reason. We don't upload everything to YouTube, but when we have, you know, there's a chance that we'll be demonetized or yep, our views exactly. will go to the floor. <laughs> yes. So um, I think it's probably in response to that. And my further take on this is twofold. Um, first is that could be that that position could be valid. It could be not. I guarantee you that in this agreement with Spotify, he has more freedom um, over what stays monetized or what he's actually paid for. So there's probably an, an ounce, some extra freedom in terms of his creative discretion that is added in there, which I think is great and important. Um, but two, I think it's a huge blow to all of those progressive legislators out there who are calling for some of these big companies to be broken up as if they have a monopoly. So when, when Elizabeth Warren thinks that YouTube needs to be broken up um, or some of these other big companies, this is one of those instances where the market can shift. And as soon as a big player moves, I don't think that he'll be the only one to move uh, away from YouTube and where you're going to start to see that fractionalization and YouTube is going to have to attempt to compete uh, and you're going to have some competition there in terms of where creators want to bring their content and what's most valuable for uh, advertising. So I think it's a positive move. It makes the space more competitive. Uh, it probably gives him a little bit more uh, freedom in terms of the risk of not being demonetized and it's, the number one podcast in the world. So it's a huge scoop for, for Spotify. Yeah. And I think one thing that I, I drew attention to uh, early on uh, when that was announced is, you know, cause it, it's very different when you're going from a very open source model that most podcasts have and that they have an RSS feed that many individual podcast clients that you own such as the podcast app, if you have an iPhone or if you have Overcast or if you have Dogcatcher or the Google Podcast or something like that, all these different platforms allow you to subscribe to the RSS feed because that's an open format. And by moving to Spotify now, that won't exist for the Rogan program. So I know that there was a lot of people who were listening on YouTube uh, specifically, but also a lot of people who just listened to the audio version that was the RSS. And this is the... it's. You know, it's kind of prickly. Uh, if you look at the Reddit uh, about this for, for Joe Rogan, and obviously this impacts consumers, and this is everything related to audio and entertainment, a lot of people there are saying, oh, there he goes, selling out. Selling out for $100 million. It could be. I don't know. Um, 
we're not in that position. <laughs> Consumer Choice yeah. Radio has not yet uh, had the meeting with the Spotify executives who've flown in from Sweden to talk to us. But I think with with that and becoming more open, I mean, that that's what... And I don't even know about the censorship thing because Spotify is still powered by a lot of the ads um, that they were able to put out there. Yes, they have a subscription-based model. I mean, I, I pay premium. I pay that yep. for the family. I, it's sucked for my bank account every month. <laughs> but there's still a lot of ads uh, for people who don't pay for it. And, you know, are they going to want Joe Rogan talking about mushrooms and DMT and something on their... I don't know. Is it going to be different from YouTube? I know with YouTube, the main issue was copyright stuff. Um, so that's why if you've watched the YouTube version, they used to put up videos all the time, you know, show images, clips. So they can't even really do that because then that's copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you look at the show today versus two years ago, totally different in terms of what they're able to discuss or put on the screen or videos or audio that they're able to play. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've gotten dinged just on Twitter. I put together that video of Trudeau. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah, a video yeah. of Trudeau where it's, uh, you know, how it all ends or something. I think it was like the re-election re or something. And I used Sound of Silence, you know, in a, in a GIF, like a small video. And then basically my account was locked until I went back and deleted it for copyright infringement. And this was like October, like year, a year yeah. ago. A year and a half. I don't even remember how long ago now. And this is, I don't know, I... We'll see how this this works. Definitely for for Rogan, it makes sense. You know, are people going to be able to migrate and stuff? Probably. I think um, one great thing about Spotify is it's very easy to use. They don't yep. yet have video, though. So that will be very interesting to see how that works. I think he will be the test case for video. And there I were, apparently, there. I read an article, there was supposed to be another podcast, these some bros i have no idea what it is oh, okay. but they were supposed to be the test but i haven't seen anything yet um yeah. i mean that takes time you need engineers and developers and all this kind of stuff you have to, you have to get it right but i mean yeah. this is a huge it, it it moves spotify into if they can appropriately integrate video it could in theory become the competitor to youtube um, not sure. just for music and, and podcasts, but for video content. So in theory, you could have a scenario where Spotify grows and becomes a serious competitor to YouTube for just uploading videos of anything. Yeah. Um, and, just... and we have, the thing is, is we use it as a kind of replication platform. So mm -hmm. we have our radio show that goes out, which you're listening to now on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM. And then we also have that in a podcast feed that goes out, and that's replicated and picked up by Spotify. So we are there. We don't have like a deal, right? It's no. just that we throw our feed uh, for free. But yeah, this is going to be huge. I know the the New York Times articles and stuff was just like, oh, this is you know the the Howard Stern of the of the twenty first century, something like this. Probably, I, I don't know. I don't have serious don't... XM. Yeah, I, I I think Rogan is. I think the, the comparison to Howard Stern is, is significantly undervalues Joe's program in his reach. Uh, I know that Howard Stern was and is in many senses still very popular, but I don't, there's nothing that really compares to the JRE and his show. Even if you don't like it, that's something that I think is just a fact uh, in yeah. terms of his size and scope. But um, that actually isn't the only news in the online 
uh, podcast space, there was also Welcome to Thunderdome. A, yeah, a, a scan. Well, yeah, I guess I would call it a scandal with um, with the folks over at Barstool and the Call Her Daddy podcast. Um, the whole kind of scenario shed some light on what the creator world is like, the role of advertising. It's all super interesting. I, I encourage folks to, to look into it. Um, I'll give a brief synopsis and then we can just first off. Are you, are you a listener to this program? Do you use a lot of the advice and and all these kind of things? (laughs) I I can neither confirm nor deny whether or not. Big smile on his face, you know? Yeah. Um, So just for those who have probably never heard of Caller Daddy, wildly popular, um, wildly popular podcast hosted by two uh, women in New York city who the best way I would describe it is it's essentially like female locker room talk. So they talk about sex. It's often very raunchy and uncensored, has a huge following, huge following. Um, the Barstool Sports Network picked it up. Um, they basically helped create it to become this global sensation. And there were all sorts of back and forth in terms of contracts and the two hosts attempted to move the show, uh, which they didn't own, to a different platform. And then basically everything fall, fell apart. Um, but what is most interesting in all the back and forth is just how much the online and creator space can generate in terms of revenue. Um, so like some of the figures, both the hosts were getting 500 grand a year contracts to essentially talk about sex for half an hour once a week. Um, well, it's like they had their base salary and then like a percentage of merch sales and I think percentage yeah. of sponsors and this kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, they were easily pulling in some somewhere in the tune of a million dollars or could have been pulling in, in the tune of a million dollars. I think Barstool loses like a hundred thousand. So the show is not, uh, issuing episodes right now because there's this dispute uh they're losing like a hundred thousand dollars an episode that they miss in terms of ad revenue so the size and scope of this is just so significant it really opens people's eyes and i know that even i was shocked and you and i have a good eye for what some of the market for that stuff looks like but even i was shocked to, to realize that well there is some serious money in that space for podcasting, um, essentially, you know, th- this is not on some rate terrestrial radio station. It- it's podcasting that people get. It's uh, I don't think the full thing was ever video. I know there were some clips and stuff that would go up, but yeah, it's just audio, right? Yeah. It's primarily listened to an audio. They did do some video formats, but um, yeah, it's just crazy. How, I saw you how... were subscribed on YouTube. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it just, uh, just more, um, more of an expose into the world of podcasts and all the online content that we listen to, um, which given the circumstances of everyone being at home, um, for many people, what they're consuming, whether it's Netflix or YouTube is all up because their free time isn't spent going to restaurants or hanging out with friends. So they fill the void with other things. So um, just Really interesting. I encourage people to look up the dynamics of both the Rogan deal and the call her daddy scandal, um, just because it, it's fascinating just to kind of 
look behind the curtain of what goes on with some of these big platforms. I am once again asking for your financial support. Yeah, a lot of money that's being thrown about um, Consumer Choice Radio, uh, where we're not getting that level from uh, people like Spotify or uh, the Barstool uh, Network, but... You know, it is interesting for the medium and it's about, you know, what shifting preferences as well. You know, I've been into podcasting and podcast for a long time uh, just because I always liked radio. I loved talk radio growing up. I think it was always very interesting and fun to listen to. It was a great medium by which you could actually participate because you could call in and you could debate and there was like a community that grew around it. And now that community is in the 21st century and we're listening to podcasts, um, I guess it depends on the numbers, right? But with people commuting less, you would assume numbers would probably be down right now. Uh, I'm not sure. That, that could well be. I know there's a huge commuter audience for podcasts, which tend to be longer form, you know, an hour or more, these kind of things. Uh, or people are listening, you know, in snippets on YouTube, this kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of money out there. And um, it's cool to see that it was even elevated to the level of being in the New York Times. They had like big explanation about it and um, kind of going back and forth and wielding large weapons of media. Uh, you know, my only hope is that stuff stays open source. I think that's still a very important thing for a lot of the content that is being put out there. Paywalls are something that remember when it hit the, the, the paywalls hit all the online media, the newspapers and stuff. Um, some people lost a lot of money with that because people were just like, no, I'm, this is not, I'm not going to pay for this or I'm not willing to, or it's too much friction. It's too many steps to try to pay for it. Outlets like New York times have done very well um, in the resistance age, but there's still a lot of other papers that you know, local papers, especially, and we've talked about that, that haven't been able to, to make the cut. So definitely unfortunate, but uh, yep. for a lot of them, but Hey, this is new media. You know, this is what we're, we're trying to, get in on this action as well and figure out how we can convince people of our ideas and, and reach out and have conversations and figure out what's next. Yep. 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 Um, I mean, it's interesting on the newspaper side of things. How do you have newspaper subscriptions? So do you, I, I do you pay uh, for some of these. Oh, we can talk about this. Uh, yeah. I, I subscribe to a good amount. Yeah. Um, so definitely like times and post I do mm -hmm. for a while. I also subscribe to the Charlotte observer, like hometown paper, but there's a yeah. lot of media that I, I generally subscribe to. There's a couple Patreon people that I give to, uh, that are interesting, good podcasts that I like listening to as yeah. well. Um, I'm not the normal everyday, uh, consumer. I think I would be called a hyper consumer because I sure. follow this stuff a lot and I get very involved and deep into the communities. Um, so there's like barbecue podcasts that I follow and donate to as well. <laughs> and there's great communities and you're learning stuff. You know, it's not, it's no longer the, we tell you from up on high information and you just, you know, take it in. It's actually like you're participating in this larger conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, one thing I've noticed for some podcasts, and it'll be interesting to see if this approach has legs, is they will release an episode that is two hours long. The first hour is free. In order to hear the second hour, you have to be a subscriber. Oh, freemium. Yeah. So it's 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 a model where it's like, okay, they're going to try and hook you in. And if you really want the rest of the content, you got to pay um, for it. And sometimes it's not very much, but sometimes yeah. it's... I don't know what I to think about I've, that. I, I, don't yeah, know, I, don't, I don't know of any. What kind of subscriptions do you have or, or things that you do pay for, for media? Well, 
I have the Globe and Mail subscription, which I'm about to call and probably cancel today. Good luck. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> oh well, call and cancel, or ask for them to cut the price in half because I, I, I get the notification of the sell, of the credit card charge, and you get the promotional deal of whatever the price is, and then it like triples after oh, it's yeah. done, and you're like, wait a second, it was worth it at the deal price. It is not worth it at. Um, at this price. Um, there are some podcasts that I do listen to quite frequently, uh, none of which actually requires any type of um, financial commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, the like only like other, most podcasts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most of them are free. Um, the only other one, which I've noticed is now doing this like half and half, is uh, Sam Harris's podcast. Uh, and I know I tuned into that for the first time in a long time because he had Andrew Yang um, and then Jonathan Haidt on the show. So that's of interest to me. Uh, But then again, it was like of an hour interview, half an hour of it was available to me. Yeah. I I don't, I don't find that very interesting because it's like a nudging, right? They're trying to nudge you to get that, but it's like, "Eh, I've already heard 30 minutes, you know, what other grand revelatory details will come out in the last part of the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'd rather it's, support individuals and people and if I like what they're doing. And, you know, that, I think that's, that is the, pom- the promise of Patreon. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of issues that come along with that because Patreon is kicking a lot of people off if they don't like a certain message, if there's people loud enough. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, that's a bit different. But I do like the idea of directly supporting people. Uh, I, I definitely adhere to that. I mean, I've, I've given money to podcast and... Um, subscribe to papers and I, I support the local magazine here in Vienna, you know, it's, uh, but I'm a media hound. Yes. Actually one, one um, it's, it's probably the first time in a long time where I've openly considered getting a, a paper delivery subscription, almost like in protest a little bit um, is the Epoch times, which is a, uh, publication that it focuses on China and the Chinese uh, Communist Party. It's originally published in Chinese. Um, and my interest in it comes from the fact that Canada Post had deliver, uh, had, had post, uh, postal delivery people um, who actually threatened to refuse to deliver the newspaper. No way. Because they, because they felt it was too anti-China uh, and they couldn't the I'm speaking based on my assumption from whoever was having an issue they in their mind couldn't parse the difference between the Chinese Communist Party and government and Chinese people there's a huge difference yeah you can be that's very crazy. critical yeah so uh, I think it actually had to be reviewed and I, I want to say that there was uh, like a judge had to weigh in and basically say no, that Canada Post can't do that. As far um, as I know, racists are still allowed to send mail. Well, yes, um, but that was the claim of the Epoch Times. But th- these are mostly expats talking about how awful the, the the government and the Communist Party are. I mean, that is not that that is within the Overton window of what is not controversial. No, oh, I mean and my so, my grandfather for many years would receive, you know, this expat uh, German newspaper delivered to his home in Ontario that was yep. very critical of the German government and uh, yep. intervention and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> 
Wow, that's crazy. I mean, come on. Now our mail carriers are now judging our content and what we're receiving. Uh, that's, that's bad territory. I think if you can be as free as possible and not have to deal with that. I mean, our platforms have to be, they have to be neutral, but it's something that we have to enforce as well as users and, and consumers. So like, if we see that happening, um, I'm totally for privatization of the the post. Then we have we need way more competition. You know, <laughs> have have yeah. way better post offices that will not uh, censor me from trying to get a newspaper more more information about what's happening in China. Yeah, and and I think what it uh, what that what that particular instant does is it highlights what is going to be the growing counter argument to criticism of the Communist Party as criticism of Chinese people, which it is not. Um, that is what I'm seeing online more so, um, and I've seen it in, in light of a recent interview that I just did, uh, where it's important to make that distinction and it's important to not let your opposition blur that distinction because folks who oppose your point of view politically or people who are linked to propaganda outlets um, from the, the Communist Party will say that criticism of the government in China is, uh, is racist, which it certainly isn't. Uh, and so we're, I think this is the beginning of that debate. Um, and I think the, the, the claim of racism for criticism of the Chinese Communist Party is just a, a very cheap way of trying to suppress legitimate criticism. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't know it was to that level. And, and this is the kind of stuff where people have to be vigilant and paying attention to that. You know, I, I didn't know that yet mail carriers refusing to deliver papers. Oh, that's bad. I'm sorry, sir. Um, we're not going to deliver your mail anymore. We saw what you posted on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't like the newspaper that you subscribe to. And I mean, the, the crazy thing is, is that we're not talking about we're not talking about like a, a, a makes like we're not talking about some guy publishing hate propaganda out of his basement and distributing it and people being offended by it. Like where um, I mean, this has happened in Canada where pro-life people have basically printed very graphic flyers and un, and, and and without solicitation delivered these graphic flyers to people who didn't ask for them. There were ser there were legitimate questions about whether that's okay. Like, do you just get to mail people sensitive and graphic material? That's up for debate. Um, but these are people who have subscribed to it. So yeah. I've I've paid or or would have paid for this newspaper to be delivered to me. Um, so it just it was a really strange. Yeah, delivery guy. You're just the middleman. You're just supposed to be delivering. You know, bringing me something. It's like if I'm ordering yes. something from Amazon, and uh, the guy just really doesn't like the type of coffee machine that I'm ordering. Sorry, man, I'm not going to drop this off. Anyway, oh, okay. Well, that's not good news. No. Um, but no. good on you. I, I also recommend Epoch Times. It's, it's very interesting. They have um, pretty cool printed edition. Um, I've never written for them or been published there, but I, know, I have friends who have, and it's very good information. I mean, look, we need as many media sources as possible. We need as many... Uh, different types of papers and radio stations and programs and more information, the better. I think that's generally our message and uh, may, may the best uh, you know, media win in the end. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. 
Well, cool. I think uh, you know the next couple of weeks we're going to have some some good guests on. We're we're going to get things rolling here. Uh, people are still kind of locked in their homes a little bit. People are self quarantining, but I'm going to go out and uh, have a good uh, night out here in free Austria and uh, try to see what's happening. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. There's a lot more to cover definitely in the next couple of weeks, David. I'll be interested in seeing you know the things that you're working on and some of our colleagues and hopefully getting them on the line as well. So uh, it's been Yael Ososki uh, reporting here from Vienna. We've been broadcasting on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM in the morning. Go to our website, consumerchoiceradio.com. You can find our podcast feed there and listen to the show and get all the information. Yes, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you are listening on one of the uh, podcast or subscription apps, do remember to actually subscribe, to download our episodes, and to rate our show. Uh, we always love the feedback, and uh, thank you for joining us for another week. Wonderful. All the best. And now we'll, we'll play us a, a little song outro, Don't Leave Me Lonely, by the band Late Night Special.
And welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio. Uh, that track was Don't Leave Me Lonely by the Charlotte-based band Late Night Special. Uh, you can check out the rest of their tracks and their album, LateNightSpecial.net. Also find them on Spotify, uh, where you also find this program. So previewing next week's program, uh, we have uh, some extra time here so we can at least preview. David and I will be interviewing Peter Schiff. Uh, Peter Schiff is a stockbroker, financial commentator, economist, radio personality, former politician, all-around very well-known person across the Internet, uh, certainly on radio programs. He's been featured a good amount and uh, ran for Senate in Connecticut. Um, so that'll be a very good program, very exciting to have him on. And we're always open to hear your recommendations for guests. Uh, our email is hello at consumerchoiceradio.com. If you want to send us a message, an email, you can always tag David or myself on Twitter. David is at Clement Liberty. I am at Y-L-O-S-S. You can always find us there and, you know, tweet us guest suggestions, if you see any articles, if you see some videos or clips, that's always very, very welcome. There's there's a, a lot of stuff that is coming through the ether, so it's always very interesting to be able to mention and, and hopefully be able to grow the show and uh, get a lot more people interested in what we're doing and what we're discussing. Again, we just want to thank uh, Big Talker 106.7 FM for the ability to have this program go out on the net whether you're listening to this over the air or you're listening in the podcast version, uh, very lucky that we're able to do so and talk about the ideas of consumer choice and why they matter and a lot of our work. So there's uh, some, some great stuff that our colleagues have been putting together uh, across the world, across the U.S. as well. So we've got a lot of stuff that's coming on the sharing economy and the gig economy in general. That's a big deal for a lot of those who... A lot of us who are kind of looking for side hustles, and uh, there's a lot of restrictions that exist and some things that we'd like to change up, and we want to empower people and improve consumer choice. So we'll have a lot more on that in the next couple of weeks. We've got some great uh, webinars that our organization is actually running across the world. So Brendan Carr, who had uh, the interview on Consumer Choice Radio last week, and if you did not listen to that, please go back and uh, watch some of the clips and the video. I think we also put that on our YouTube page. You just type in Consumer Choice Center. You can find us there. Uh, but we've been running webinars. Brendan Carr will be on the next one. Um, that'll be held next Thursday. So, again, go to our website, consumerchoiceradio.com. You'll find a lot more about that. There's just a lot of great stuff that we're working on. Happy to have you guys join along. Um, if you like what you're hearing, whether it be in the app or on the radio, feel free to give us a rating. Uh, feel free to send us an email and let us know what's going on. There's uh, you know, a lot of great stories out there that perhaps we're not able to tell, and that's why we'd love to reach out to the people who are listening, um, to our audience and others, make sure we can continue pushing some good messages and promoting consumer choice. So that's all for this week. Uh, we're going to leave you with another song on the way out. Uh, this is, again, by the band Late Night Special. Um, I'm playing a lot of this music because why not? It's uh, it's good to be on the radio. It's good to play music. We're uh, right here at the end of the week. We're here on, on Saturday. This is being broadcast. Hey, people got to go out and enjoy the weekend as well, and uh, hopefully you can get a little bit of energy. So this is the band Late Night Special, and the track is Railroad Tracks. Talk to you all next week. Have you ever seen a sunrise Talking late with the moonlight Or have you ever walked a riverbank 
Asking time just to change a few things Oh, change a few things Just change a few things Walking down And have you ever took a big step Across the sky and just head west Or have you ever walked a river moon To see the sky turns the color of blue Walking down those tracks Walking down those tracks Oh yeah Because the railroad tracks to take me home Yeah, they lead me here but I'm alone I said the railroad tracks to take me home Yeah, they lead me here but I'm alone Talking late with the moonlight Have you ever walked the riverbank Asking time just to change a few things